The New York Jets draft is in the books, but that doesn't mean we don't have a lot to go over. I got Joe Blewett joining the show today. Welcome to Jets Talk. My name's Ryan. I'll be your pilot. If you're new here, hit that subscribe button. If you've been here before, welcome back. I love having you here. Boys and girls, I go live every Tuesday for our Talking Jets panel. Myself, O'Leary, and Green Bean. So ask us all your Jet-related questions. But let's move on to today's topic of the day, and that is a little bit of draft breakdown and some insight on the New York Jets with our good buddy, Joe Blewett from Jets X Factor. So without further ado, Joe, welcome back to the channel. I appreciate that. Welcome back to uh, the United States, fresh off uh, of a flight from, from uh, coming back from Aruba. So I'm excited to talk to draft. It's 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 kind of uh, it's settled in. So my thoughts are kind of getting solidified, getting back into the film with some of these guys. So uh, I'm ready to uh, talk about the draft, not with uh, you know many many deep or fresh fresh off the you know some some time to actually think about it. So. Yeah, absolutely. And this, guys, if you do not know Joe, he's part of Jets X Factor. They do some great analysis and breakdowns. I'll link all their stuff down below in the description. Also, follow Joe on Twitter because it is a really good follow for sure. Joe comes on the channel, I would say what, once a month roughly? Ish. Yeah, ish. Not too bad. <laughs> Pretty good. Uh, but let's jump into to some of the thoughts of our draft class. So I'll pull this up here. Uh, walk me through how the draft unfolded for you, starting with the fourth pick. Uh, yeah, so as you know, and like I said, I'm on the show about once a month-ish or with you in some in some form or fashion, and uh, I was one of the people who really wanted Sauce uh, from early January, from before the combine, just just turning on his tape at Cincinnati. I thought he was a legitimate cornerback, uh, one of the best players in the draft to me. He was number two overall um, out of all the players in the draft, with Aiden Hutchinson being one. So uh, with the really unlikely situation that, that Hutchinson fell to four, which like day before the draft is like, oh, betting favorite for the Jets. I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> so uh, obviously he he went before the Jets pick and then we're sitting there at four, both Thibodeau and Sauce. We've both shared our opinions on both of them. To me, again, Sauce is the better player. Um, but with that in the back of my mind, you have the people who are saying corner isn't important in the Jets scheme, which I always fought, fought back against because I don't understand in what scheme a corner is not important, especially a scheme where the Jets, you know, primarily, you know, first and second down go zone third down the money down they're going man coverage you know so it, it is important in a scheme um but they already you know invested in dj reed so was he a good enough player um to kind of put another decent player in bryce hall on the bench i personally thought so um they picked him and uh i could not be any more happy because again uh i think he's one of the true blue chip talents in the draft um could potentially you know he's an elite prospect could be a top 10, top five corner um, eventually in, in the league. So uh, I know that they didn't necessarily need a corner, but again, I'm not going to pass on elite talent because you have a decent starter um, in, in Bryce Hall. So I was ecstatic. I was screaming in my downstairs. My wife got a video of me, of me screaming from upstairs watching, you know, bachelor or whatever she was watching up there uh, so it was deafening so i'm definitely really really excited for this sauce pick i was concerned with Kayvon thibodeau falling to the giants we see him go just one pick behind us and you have all that concern of okay now they just passed on the edge rusher that they've been looking for for so mm -hmm. long and is this guy going to be elite for the new york giants what were your feelings when the giants wound up pulling the trigger on thibodeau and the jets passed on him uh yeah like we like, like we talked about with thibodeau pre-draft um People are going to weigh the character stuff differently. Again, it didn't necessarily rub me the right way um, in terms of in terms of how he spoke and his brand and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, again, if he's a good player, he's a good player. Great. Who cares if it, you know however you feel about his personality stuff? But for me, at that point in the draft, while I know that D end is is a massive need for the Jets, when you're that high, you just want to take the best player available. Like that that's that's my philosophy, especially top five, top ten. To me, Sauce. Um, was the number two and his film just on an individual standpoint from him versus Thibodeau, his film was much, much better in my opinion. So to take the better player, a static, obviously you'd hope that like Thibodeau would go to like, you know, Carolina or the Falcons or somewhere that's literally not right next door, because if he isn't a massive impact player, then it, it'll sting a little bit. But I think sauce will kind of uh, lessen that sting because of how good of a player I think he can be. And then obviously, as we know, we're going to talk about um, the draft worked out pretty well for the Jets at Ed Rusher anyway. So uh, I'm not really you know too concerned about it. 
Yeah, and after Sauce was picked, I'm I'm looking at the board, I'm seeing the players kind of come off, and I'm thinking, okay, 10, it's got to be the edge rusher now. Like, that's mm-hmm. that's where they're going to go. I, it made me feel happy because I was like, okay, I wanted Sauce before. I wanted Jermaine Johnson at 10. This is definitely going to be the pick. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be so happy. And then I'm not unhappy, but they called Garrett Wilson's name, and I'm like, whoa, okay, we're going receiver here. So what were your thoughts when Garrett Wilson wound up being the pick? And, and can you talk a little bit about him? Yeah, I, I think that every single person, like most Jets fans, uh, are, I'm not going to, again, I'm not going to speak for everybody, but it's like, okay, cool. Where is the edge rusher? Because like, that's that's what we all want. Again, my, my, my most ideal situation was Sauce at four, Carl Loftus at 10, who I think the, he went what, 28 to the Chiefs, which is an absolute steal for them. So that's a great pick. But um yeah, at that point, listen, like I, I wasn't, I wasn't the, the, uh, front runner or I wasn't leaning the bandwagon for receiver at 10. I, I don't think that any of these receivers, uh, if they were put into the last couple of drafts, if you combine them, you know, with the, with the CD lambs and Jamar chases and the, and the Smiths and wobbles of the world, I don't think he would have went 10, but I get the jets trying to do everything they absolutely can to, to help out Zach Wilson. And that included a receiver at 10. And apparently you hear the rumors that, you know, obviously, uh, if Drake London was there, they would have they would have passed on him, and they would have taken Jermaine Johnson. But again, how much does that coach GM speak? You know, we don't really know. Drake London was my number one in, um, receiver in the draft. He went, you know, obviously um, before him. So I'm sitting there at ten, and I'm like, okay, they're not trading it for a receiver. Which again, you know, again, really good draft um, to me. Still sitting here today with the draft, I get the point of okay, well, you have more draft capital because you didn't have to trade it for Debo, like in terms of, or Debo or AJ in terms of like the later round picks. Um, and you have more money. If I could swap Garrett Wilson right now for Debo Samuel straight up and take on some extra money, I, w- I would have obviously done that. But um, I like Garrett Wilson in his ceiling. I, I think people um, might be overrating him a little bit in terms of his pro readiness, in terms of getting off the line as like an X and stacking guys vertically to me early on, you're going to see him in a lot more condensed and bunch formations to get him free releases off the line of scrimmage and in the slot because um, he can open his chest up a little bit and struggles to get off of, off of press. Now he has the ability to get to beat press, but he just has to refine some of the technique. Um, but you're talking about in terms of stealing. And I, I think it's the first place I said that, because I think you asked me for like a player comparison, whatever it was a couple months ago. And we were talking about, you know, like Odell Beckham, like fluidity and movement skills. So you're talking about a guy who has the jump ball ability, who has the yak ability, um, who has the ability to be an explosive route runner with some refinement. So you're talking about coming into an offense with plenty of other weapons, which we'll talk about, which obviously came to the draft as well from both running back, tight end, receiver with Davis and more. He's not going to be relied on instantly like, like he would with the Falcons who have no other options. So you're going to let him be able to to kind of build up and, and uh, not be put into a position where he has to immediately produce. So I'm excited for him, especially if it hits his ceiling. Again, uh, happy with the pick overall, looking back on it. Um, but at that point in the draft, I'm sitting there again, and okay, we don't pick until until 35. Uh, is it going to be an Epichetti? Is it going to be Cam Thomas? Like, who are we getting? Because, you know, I, I, the Jets have some talent up front, but at the end of the day, JFM is best inside. Carl Lawson's coming off an injury, so who is playing that all-important position of defensive end in the Salah system, which obviously emphasizes the ends, like many other teams do, but the Jets specifically really do emphasize that that front four uh, getting there without blitzing. So uh, good pick, but again, at that point, it was it was concerning. Yeah, and I'm watching everything unfold, and I'm seeing Jermaine Johnson slowly start to fall down the board. And it, right when he got to like pick 1920, I'm like, oh man, if there's any shot for us to trade up, this is where it starts to happen. And I. I as it kept going a little bit later and a little bit later, I was like, man, he's just going to get picked. Dallas comes up on the clock. It's like, oh, great. He's going to go to Dallas. And then, you know, Baltimore gets on the clock. And I'm like, oh, he's going to go to Baltimore now. Like every single pick that popped up. And then we get to pick 26 and the Jets move up with the Titans. What was your reaction when that move was made? Yeah, I, at that point, um, you're definitely a few deep. At least at least I was. Again, I didn't, go, I didn't go live. I think for the people who were watching the live stream, they could tell a little bit on the end of end of round one. Um, but I was excited. I, I was really hoping it was for Carl Loftus. Again, I, I, I like Carl Loftus more than Jermaine Johnson. But at that point, taking Jermaine Johnson is a slam dunk. Um, and again, people are like, oh, you didn't like Jermaine Johnson. There's a, there's a very big difference between taking at 4, 10, or 26. And this is where I evaluated when I, when I watched him, you know, post-senior bowl, pre-senior bowl, I thought that he was a late first round to, to late teens um, player. And that's exactly where he went. So uh, chalk went in for the good guys in terms of where he where he went. Um, but again, fits the value, massive position of need for, for the Jets. Um, 
and the trade up minimal capital to, to get a guy who you feel like could be um, a very solid rusher and a, and a player at the minimum in, in the run game next to Carl Lawson uh was was great you know I don't I don't think that his pass rush ceiling is as high as some people think it is but I think he's his his floor is pretty high at the same time because of his ability to uh play the run which is not going to be the most exciting thing for people but it was a legitimate weakness on the Jets uh, defensive front last year so he adds that immediately and you have a guy if he can develop a little bit in terms of his pass rushing which again I, I think people watch highlights and they assume that every play is you know, you know that five minute clip that's his entire career which doesn't happen um, to me, he has to refine his pass rushing in terms of um, him winning quicker. And that's not just a stats thing. And the stats are out there to back that up. Uh, I was saying that since January that there's a, there's a lot of wasted movements in his rush where he's stutter stepping and, and, and waiting for guys to kind of screw up be, in, instead of actually having a plan that works immediately. And if you're not getting to the to the passer in the NFL within two, two and a half seconds, you're just not going to make a big impact. So in the NFL, if you're just going to stutter step and kind of run your feet and shorten your stride and wait for a tackle to screw up in the NFL, it's not going to be as effective as it is against a tackle from Miami. It's just not going to work. So he has to um, refine his pass rushing um, in terms of his plan and his consistency in his plan, consistency and leverage, consistency in hands, things like that. But again, four would have been, I would have been really disappointed. 10, I could reason with it. 26, absolute uh, slam dunk of a, of a pick to round out um, that defensive front for the Jets. So we learned shortly after the pick in the second round that the Jets were trying to move back into the first round to select this next player. Brees Hall winds up going at pick 36 after a trade-up with the Giants of all teams. I'm not going to lie. I thought the Jets were going to go with a running back at some point in this draft. I did not see it happening in the second round and getting a guy that was probably, if you if you go backwards in time, five, six years or so. Brees Hall is a top 15 player in a lot of classes. I think that when you look at the running back position, it's just become so devalued. To be able to get that caliber of player at the top end of the second is really exciting for the Jets. Uh, so I want to hear your thoughts. What did you think about Brees Hall and what do you think of him as a player? Yeah, I, I was surprised. I'm really excited to watch him again. I was just gone for a week, so I really want to watch watch him. But you're talking about a guy with size, um, really, really patient. Like he has like that Le'Veon Bell type patience. Like I'm not comparing them one for one, um, but I, think, I don't think that's actually the worst comparison. Like Le'Veon Bell probably a little bit less powerful, but a little bit more quick. Um, but a home run hitter, uh, good speed for his size, really good contact balance, really good patience, really, really good fit for for his own system. Um, did I expect a running back at twenty at, at thirty six? Like. Like Joe Douglas busted all the narratives about about him and, and how he drafts this. Uh, he's too patient. He you know he won't trade up even though he traded up last year. He doesn't value corner. Draft a corner at four. Side so DJ Reed. You know uh, the the least important position in uh, in running back in the NFL. Um, you don't think he would trade up to, to grab that guy because it's not a, it's not a value position. Um, but you look at it again and just like the, with the Garrett Wilson pick, like. They're giving Zach Wilson like no excuses. Like you look at the offense, like where is the weakness on this offense? Obviously, you know guys go down. Okay, different conversation. If guys don't work out, different a different situation, different story. But um, they have plenty of young talent, pretty uh, and some proven talent in, in a lot of in a lot of the spots on, on the offense. And then that was their last hole for me. It was like okay, you have the tackles, you have the guards, you have the center, you have you know you have the tight ends now, you have the receivers, you have all this stuff. But, like, who was the guy behind uh, Carter? And I thought it was going to be a fourth or fifth round guy. But now you look at Brees Hall, who, like you said, like, in years past, like, you know, five, ten years ago, like, he could have been a first-round pick, top 15 pick. Like, look at some of the guys, like, uh, Gurley, Gordon, Zeke, Najee Harris, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire from a couple of years ago, Josh Jacobs, Rashad Penny, Sony Michelle, Doug Martin. Like, the, uh, there's probably a few I'm missing there. Um, but he could easily have been a first-round pick. So, you're really rounding out the offense to give, again, Wilson no excuses. And now you're not just getting a guy to like supplement Carter. You're giving a guy, you're, you're getting a guy who could legitimately be, um, I'm not going to say a bell cow because of how good Carter is as well, but you're looking at one of the, if Brees Hall works out to what you'd expect him to be, to, to be for a high second round pick, you're looking at what could be one of the best running back rooms in the NFL. Like it's, it's, it's great with those two guys being the one, two punch. And the thing about running back to me is if you're going to make a high investment um, or if you're going to invest high capital into a running back, whether it be a draft pick or free agency dollars, if you're doing it behind a bad offensive line like we did with Le'Veon Bell, it does not make sense. When you're talking about a team who's going to try to lessen the load on Zach Wilson by, by running the ball because you have a strong offensive line, you have strong blocking tight ends, and now you're adding Brees Hall and Michael Carter in a second year, you're taking a ton of pressure off of Zach Wilson, and now you're going to see a lot of second and 
for second and three, second and twos, because you're getting some push from the lining with good running backs to follow, um, where you're going to start seeing some play action deep shots from Zach Wilson. Like it's going to be exciting. So um, while I don't love necessarily the value of running back at 36, I'm okay with it because of how good of a player he is and what he can mean um, to Zach Wilson. And again, just rounding out um, the holes on offense, where if you look at it again, I don't really see where the massive hole is on this, on this, on this offensive or on the offensive, uh, offensive side of the ball, which the last time we could say that was 2010, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, you know, again, uh, not expected, but you, you, you gotta love uh, Joe Douglas's commitment to, to helping out Zach. Yeah. You look at how uh, that pick kind of happened and what it means. Cause you, you stop short of saying bell cow, but I'll, I'll, I'll go there and I'll say, this could be a bell cow type pick. But the benefit mm-hmm. of it is, like you said, having Michael Carter. So now Hall can stay fresher longer into games, can stay fresher longer into the season. It gives us mm-hmm. that little bit of flexibility because Carter shared touches in college too. And we saw a little bit of him getting banged up. So I think you don't want to have him take on the full load. And having mm-hmm. that one-two punch of those two guys is, is going to be really impressive. And I kind of, in my yeah. head, envision maybe like a 50% split for for Brees, maybe 35% for for Carter and then, you know, the rest of the guys probably work out about 15% or so. Yeah. I think, I think I said like immediately after the pick, like I, I, I see it like 50% Brees, like 35% Carter and like 15% like other, like Tevin Coleman, you know, hopefully Donovan Knight makes it to the, to the, to the roster. Um, and the, that's a great thing about having two guys is like, I, I think in an offense without a legit number two or without another legit back, like he would be the bell cow, but we want to preserve him. Like, and again, like talking about like how good he is, like, setting records for like 26, 28 games, whatever it is in terms of like straight games of touchdowns, like an absolute savage when you, when you look at the guy. Um, but he had over 800 carries. So you want to reduce his load a little bit. Same thing with Carter. So you have guys that are, they're, you know, the Jets, the Jets system, the Shanahan system, like they're going to ride the hot hand. And sometimes it's going to be Carter, some, some games it's going to be Hall, where you're going to be able to give him legitimate rest. Same thing with a lot of these positions on the team where guys are going to, come in fresh, you know, hundred percent instead of running at 75, 80. Uh, and that's obviously going to lead to more effectiveness for the, for the offense and for players in general. So uh, again, not expected, but a really good pick once you really break it down. So these last three picks kind of fall into a different category for me. So when you think the jets were looking to trade up to get Brees Hall in the first round, you're probably looking at getting rid of the rest of your draft class at that point. Uh, so when I look at Jeremy Ruckert, I think, okay, we got the fan pick that everyone was kind of talking about in their mock drafts. I look at Max Mitchell and I see, okay, that's a Joe Douglas pick. We got our developmental tackle. And I look at Michael Clemens and I think, okay, Robert Sala gets his, his toy that he gets to play with. And I think they were fine in the event that they were not able to get those guys, but these are like bonus picks almost when you kind of look at it in that context with the first four picks. So mm-hmm. walk me through the Jeremy Ruckert, Max Mitchell and Michael Clemens picks. Uh, yeah, Ruckert, again, like, you, do, you, do you need a third tight end? No, but again, a, a team who wants to be 12, uh, per, uh, 12 heavy in terms of their personnel packages, um, you need you need that third guy, especially you consider like Uzama has had some injuries and things like that in the past. And again, take the best player on your board. And if he's the best player on your board, great pick, because how long is Uzama going to be here? Is he going to be here four, five, six years? Like, he might be gone in two years. So then you have Ruckert um uh to to develop behind those guys again not putting pressure on him just like you're not putting necessarily a lot of pressure on uh garrett wilson um so you let him develop and again like is there a better story in terms of like we're talking about from what i've seen from that family like die the the diehard of diehard jets fans like they're not they're not they're not fair weather fans which you you don't really have a lot of fair weather jets fans but um they they are diehard uh jets fans and they see their son drafted by the jets is is Amazing. So you're looking at a tight end who I think um, is not the best blocker in terms of his technique, but it has a, has a willingness to. I think he's a little bit more slippery in the passing game, and he has a good catch radius. Uh, and he wasn't obviously used uh, a lot at Ohio State with um, all the receivers. Enigma, I think, is his name. Uh, Wilson. You, then you obviously um, have Olave too. So he wasn't maximized at Ohio State, but also says something about him to not transfer and being an offense where he wasn't utilized. Um, so really good pick, developmental guy. Cool with it. Next pick, another position we were looking at, okay, who's the backup tackle? Which I'm not necessarily sure I'm really like, I'm okay with Max Mitchell as a backup tackle right now. Like obviously last year having having uh, Morgan Moses, you're, you're more comfortable with that. So we'll see if they make another move. But overall, looking at a guy who could play left, right tackle, uh, some some people think, I'll try to watch for myself, but think he could play a little bit guard. I think he might be a little bit light for that, not, not strong enough. But again, um, a developmental tackle, swing tackle that we need. I, I'm not comfortable with Adoga. 
or McDermott being that guy. So looking at developing a guy, good pick. I'm cool with it. It, feel, it fills the position that they needed. And then uh, Clemens, like, I, again, another position I did not expect. The Jets' defensive line right now is ridiculously deep. Like, you're looking, and again, they don't have, you know, people are like, oh, they're deep. Who do they have? You know, they, it's not, no, they don't have Miles Garrett on the bench. But you're looking at Vinny Curry, uh, Martin, who I, I think has a pretty um, interesting um, player profile in terms of his athleticism. Uh, you're looking at Solomon Thomas. You're looking at Bryce Huff, like, and in terms of a team that rotates so heavily, again, keeping these guys fresh. Um, I wasn't surprised by the move, but I still was because of how many people they have there. But uh, you're looking at a guy who has a good physical profile in terms of 35-inch arms, plays like he may or may not be a serial killer, <laughs> like in terms of his mindset. Dude, he's like intense. The guy, the guy is as intense as you could be. And it was nice to see the interview like after he got drafted where like they were asking about like playing tackle and like, he kind of like lined up in a tackle stance, like loading up on his front leg. Like So he looks like he's a, he's a little bit more light and probably funny than people really think he is if you actually, actually know him. But like you see, even just in the highlights, which I'm really excited to watch all the games of him, he is a murderer on the field. Like even if he's not getting the quarterback, like he and he said it like, like guys will respect you quickly if you keep hitting in the mouth. Um, and I love that quote, and that really fits like the aggression and the attacking, you know, four three front and the Jets run to four two five whatever, um, and nickel. But uh, again, high high physical profile. I know he's a little bit. I know he's a little bit older. Um, but to have backups of Huff, Curry, Clemens. Um, rotating in, and I'm probably, I, I think I even missed Martin there. Like, d- defensive line position to me is is such a hard position to play because of how taxing it is on your body. Um, and you can't really take plays off, run past, whatever it may be. So, to have that deep rotation, um, it, it makes sense. And again, I think it's another spot where you're looking at just like, you know, Jeremy Ruckert at one on one. Um, the Jets taking best player on their board, not necessarily reaching for a linebacker safety, whatever it may be. So, again, surprising. Um, but if they can hone some of his technique and, 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 you know, teach him some new moves and, uh, really hone him in, you're looking at a player who could develop into a you know, potential starter in a couple of years. So we've gone over the draft class. I want to go a little bit position by position. We'll start on the defensive side of the ball. Let's start up front. Like you were saying how deep we are on that defensive line, Bradley and another name that we, we threw in there as well. Uh, over the course of the offseason. So the Jets are getting real deep. You get guys back that you didn't get to see last year in Carl Lawson and Vinnie Curry. You bring in Jermaine Johnson and Clemens. Like, this is the deepest we've seen. You move John Franklin Myers inside next to Quinnen. It's going to be a lot of fun. So what's your mm-hmm. expectations for that defensive line unit? Last year, I thought it was going to be top 10. I, I, I really did. With, with Q with Q coming off his year two, which he had some dominating games, um, with, with JFM again, like you said, he is a He's a he's a decent to good defensive end. He's a very good D tackle in rushing. So you're getting you're getting that positional flexibility now where you can kick him inside where he's most effective. So that's great. You get Solomon Thomas. You have Jonathan Marshall uh, having another year. Again, I, I still think they need like that that run stuffing guy. I don't think like the four three run stuffing guy is necessarily what you think of in terms of like Jets Jets past with like Snacks Harrison and Chris Jenkins and that type of stuff. But you still need a guy in there. So maybe they make that move um, in free agency. But now you look at the edge like. How excited were we for Carl Lawson last year? And like, and then obviously, you know, we get like blue balled in terms of right before the season, he tear he tears his Achilles. Uh, but even if he's like eighty five percent of what we expected him to be, like we're looking at a damn good player in Carl Lawson, who people aren't like aren't even thinking about right now, which is ridiculous. But you add him, Q, um, another year in the system. You hope that he rebounds a little bit. To be completely honest, because his you know his his year three was a little bit disappointing to me. Um, and then adding Jermaine Johnson and, and, and Martin and getting even, even like another player like Vinnie Curry last year. Like I was excited about him in terms of just seeing like 25% of the reps. He's a, he's an effective rusher and he put up a lot of effective, like in terms of his statistics, um, a lot of high pressure rates in, 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 um, in a lower snap percentage. So Huff coming back healthy. Uh, there is so much talent on this defensive front. So expectations, I, I think with all the capital in terms of the big contract for Lawson, for JFM, high draft pick in in Jermaine Johnson, uh, in in Quentin Williams. I think if it's if it's less than the top ten unit, it, it's it's disappointing. And I I think if these guys, um, if Carl Lawson really really bounces back, if Jermaine Johnson uh, has an impact in year one, and uh, and this rotation really works out, you're looking at a group that could be fighting for top five. I don't think I'm being overly overly optimistic with that. Like you look at again the the capital that they poured into this uh, first round pick and Jermaine Johnson getting those other guys, Carl Lawson coming back. Like it, it would be disappointing if they weren't, they're going to be so rested too. So they should be really effective when they are playing. 
not to mention Solomon Thomas, top five pick as well, right? So we, we got a, a bunch of heat coming on the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Now let's move back to the linebacker position. This is an area that I think a lot of Jet fans are still a little uneasy with. C.J. Mosley getting another year older. You got Quincy Williams back there, and then you have two unproven guys in Sherwood and Cyril Dean. How are you feeling about the Jets linebacker core? Yeah, not great. <laughs> so we talked a lot about like the draft and positive and positive. I'm always going to be honest. Uh, Mosley, I, I think I think people, again, PFF numbers skew stuff. So people think he was worse than he was last year. I, I still think he was very solid. Um, and, and again, when you have guys like Sherwood and Nas Ladine and Quincy Williams next to you, you're going to have to make up for some of those guys at, at linebacker. And I think he was doing that, put him out of position a little bit. Um, but overall, again, happy with CJ Mosley. Is he here after next year? Probably not if he does if he doesn't uh, rework his contract, which which kind of comes into the next talking point of they needed to add young talent to it, kind of younger proven talent at least in terms of like you know first, second, third round picks instead of guys who are like fifth, sixth you know uh, round picks who are converted safeties. So. Past CJ, like I, I think Quincy Williams has an exciting ceiling. He makes some really great plays. And then after that really great play, he'll make a boneheaded play. So for him to start, not the highest on it. Um, and that's just thinking about like a 5-2. Now you're going to a 4-3. Let's say if you are you know running against heavy personnel, you know, 13, 12 personnel, 22 personnel offense. And now you have a Sherwood or a Nozzledine coming in. I'm not very comfortable with the starters um, past Mosley or the depth. So I'm really hoping they add somebody again whether that be a Deion jones who gets cut and they, and they bring him in or quan alexander but they need something there because i already don't think it's a good unit you know past your number one your two three four five and if you get injured if you have an injury to your one and which cj mosley has had you know the last year he had a, he got banged up a little bit obviously the one year um he tore his groin right so he's had some injury stuff pop up and if you're if he goes down and then you're running out nozzledean sherwood and quincy that's that, that that's that's going to be uh, a bad recipe, especially for a system in the four three where they're really asking their linebackers to cover a lot of ground and do a lot of thinking. You know, Fred Warner's of the world. That's why he's made such a big impact because they ask him to do so much. They really allow him to thrive in that system. Um, so linebackers are emphasized in this defense, and to have what they have now, where you, Sherwood didn't prove anything last year. And I'm again not going to lie, uh, I was really low on him as a pick. Nasladeen high on his ceiling, but really, really raw. So he could, he could work out. He could not work out just as easily. So um, they do not have a lot of proven talent there. So I think they really do need to add something to that, to that group before the season starts, whether it be cut trade, uh, you know, whatever, maybe. Yeah. And moving back to another position that I think people are sort of maybe a little uneasy with, but not quite as much as linebacker. And that's a safety position. We wind up adding Whitehead. You bring back Mm -hmm. uh, LaMarcus Joyner. We didn't get to see him at all last year. And then you have Ashton Davis going into another year with us as well. What are your expectations for that group? How are you kind of feeling with that unit as a whole? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's like an okay group. Um, I, I, you know, Whitehead has his deficiencies, but overall I think he's a good, strong safety, you know, uh, in terms of the coverages you're asking to do. Like if you're asking to play like in, in, a, in a three or a two, okay, good. Uh, you know, if he's on the, the, the more of a four side of a six or a cover four, do you want him in man coverage? No. So I, I think he has some coverage deficiencies, but will be really good in the box. I want to see him kind of round out in terms of him not taking such aggressive angles and trying to lay such hard hits in the run game because he will miss some tackles because of that. But overall, I think he's a solid starter. Uh, Joiner, uh, you know, it's it's a, he's a big unknown because obviously last year he played like ten snaps. Where you know it, the injuries on defense and just in, on the team in general were crazy. But another injury, um, we haven't seen him play true free safety since what twenty eighteen with the Rams. Mm-hmm. So it's been quite a few years. He's you know thirty two. So. He's not the most uh, spry player on the roster, so he's a question mark. But again, I think if he works out, he's going to be probably below average to bad starter. Which don't 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 take that as, like a, as an insult for a guy who's getting like you know three four million dollars a year. I think that's fine and much better than what we saw last year with Gerard Wilson and Redwine, Redwine, and and all, you know a bunch of guys off the streets. So that that that's a big upgrade. Um, the depth a little bit concerning, you know, to to me, especially with with Joiner getting some injuries. You know, I like Will Parks, um, but past that, like, it, there's not much depth there. So I would, I would have loved to have seen a guy in, in, a, in a second, third round to develop behind those guys. And then hopefully, like, halfway through the year, he, he steps in and makes an impact. But you having, you know, Redwine or uh, Ashton Davis or Parks, I'm not the most comfortable with it. But I think it could be, without injuries, a, a decent group, especially when you're considering the talent that they have up front to, to put pressure on the quarterback and then the talent now that they have outside in that corner, which I'm sure we're going to hit on next, so. 
Yeah, so that, that's where exactly where we're going, the cornerback position. This is something that Jet fans have kind of been near and dear towards for a long time, especially with the Darrell Revis, you know, amazing play back at the, you know, late 2000s, early 2010s and whatnot. Uh, to get another guy in Sauce Gardner, to bring in a top 10 graded uh, corner in DJ Reed and move your starters from last year to that depth role, that that third, fourth corner. You have Michael Carter coming back for, you know, a second year uh, in the slot. How are you feeling about the cornerback room just from last year to this year? It's it's a massive change. Like it like we went to last year, like again, being realistic, like tight end and and uh and corner were probably bottom three groups in the NFL. Like they it, the cornerback group was bad last year, let's be honest. Like when you're when you're running out fifth and sixth round picks as starters, it's it's not a good thing. Now they got plenty of experience, and I think all of the late round picks honestly um exceeded expectations. Like the fact that Brandon Eccles didn't look completely out of place as a starter for a sixth round guy. And now he's a really good fourth or fifth corner um, is a slam dunk pick for Joe, Joe Douglas. So I'm happy they got the experience instead of bringing in a guy um, like Steven Nelson, whoever, who I, who I was honestly rooting for, but it gave them a lot of experience, which you, you know, watching film and all that stuff is great, but you actually need to be on the field to do that. So for them to line up against like digs and et cetera um, is really good for them. But you're looking at a group that was bottom three last year now you're talking about a one-two of DJ Reed and Sauce Gardner. Like, yeah, is there going to be some development for even guys like Carter the second and Eccles when he comes in and Gadry uh, and, and Sauce? So there's going to be some road bumps. Like, it's not like we're talking about Sauce in year three or four. So there's there, there's going to be some some issues. But we're looking at a group that was bottom three, which to should be a group this year that's that's average to plus average pretty easy uh, easily, especially later on in the year once they kind of get their feet under them, especially Sauce Gardner. But Reed. Uh, again, I'm not the guy to like hype up picks or, or signings, but Reed is a good player, man. And, and him as a number two, number one, even, even maybe to start is awesome. And then obviously we know how much we love Sauce Gardner. So again, bottom three to a group that could be plus average, which is a massive improvement again. And I think plus average is being conservative. If you have Reed and he continues to send Sauce becomes a top 10 corner quickly into his career with Bryce Hall on the bench and Carter and all these guys – looking at a group that could be a top 10 unit um, if they hit their ceilings, which we know as Jets fans doesn't always happen. Now, moving on from the defense, I want to move to the other side of the ball. Let's talk a little offense. Let's start with the offensive line. We've seen a lot of changes. We had Makai Becton get knocked out early of last season. He's going to be coming back. You move over uh, Lakin Tomlinson from the 49ers. He becomes your left guard. You kick AVT over to the right side to be a right guard. You're bringing back Connor McGovern as your center. And then you, you know, have, the right tackle position isn't going to be George Fant. Do Becton and Fant flip-flop spots because of how Fant played last year? So talk to me a little bit. How are you feeling about the Jets' offensive line? Uh, yeah, so there's some question marks uh, both this year and going forward in terms of, okay, is Fant resigned? You know, is is McGovern resigned? Um, but overall, just like looking at it, and they'll, they'll address that down the road. Like I, th- I think they probably do bring back Fant. McGovern's question mark, but I think they might bring him back as well. Um, again, he's 29 years old. Uh, I think people are a little bit down on on McGovern because initially he started to play bad. But I think I think he's about an average to plus starter at center. Which if he's your worst, uh, if that's your worst position on the team, great. So comfortable with center. Again, not thrilled, but comfortable. You have a pro ball left guard. You have a right guard who uh, in, in ABT who we think could be a pro ball level player, and he impressed us last year. So the interior is pretty lock solid. Fant. Really comfortable with him left or right. I think he's better at left than right. And he's proven that throughout his career, both in Seattle uh, and with the Jets. But team captain, again, people, oh, well, he's 29, 30 years old. Doesn't have a lot of miles on the tire. Uh, tires, relatively new to the game of football in general. So really happy with him again, team captain. So thrilled with that. Biggest question is Becton. Does he bounce back to his rookie year form? We, we hope so. Question going forward. But again, this offensive line hitting its ceiling or kind of just meeting expectations looking at a group that is easily top half of the league again could be top 10 if you have if you have George Fant play like he did last year top 10 ish guy at left tackle Becton top 10 ish guy his his rookie year uh ABT very good last year pro ball guard a decent center that's a very good offensive line group now again uh depth I like Feeney you know I like some of the guy I like the uh her big they did the guy they, they just picked up I still do think they should add a veteran tackle just in case Becton does get injured because I'm not comfortable right now saying okay Fourth round rookie Max Max Mitchell. Hey, go play for five games in a row. I'm not there with with that. Um, but overall, again, a starting group with with some decent depth. Again, a little bit more tackle would be nice. Um, but a group that should be plus average. Again, last time we said that for the Jets is 2010, 2011. So uh, very, very positive uh, on the offensive line right now. 
Now sliding slightly outwards, we're going to talk about our tight ends. This is an entirely different room from where it was last year. You go from Croft yep. and Wesco and, and Griffin to Uzama and Conklin and Ruckert. And I think Jet fans are starting to get a little excited because this was a position group that you look out in San Francisco and you see how well they utilize their tight end. I want to see that here in New York. Do you think that's what we're going to get this year with the LaFleur offense? Yeah, and that was one of the major flaws I saw with Joe Douglas this season last uh, or offseason last year was the fact that you have a rookie OC who coming from the Shanahan system was 12 heavy personnel. Um, and, and 12 heavy could be like 30, 35%. That, that's just the, the numbers. Um, but still, a rookie OC who's going to want to go back to what he and a rookie quarterback, their best friend is the is the tight end, and your top two guys are Croft and Ryan Griffin, not not the best. And again, like we were talking about the cornerback group, we're looking at a group that's probably bottom three in the NFL last year. And whoever you label as a Jets second tight end this year, whether it be obviously Rucker to me the third, but Uzama or Conklin, either one of those guys is the best Jets tight end since Keller. Dustin maybe? Dustin Keller. Like we had a few phantom games from Austin Safarian Jenkins. Like, so you're adding two legitimate guys who are ready to come uh, um, in immediately and play. You have Rucker as the three, who last year would probably been the one. Um, so again, we're looking at a group that went from terrible to at least average. Again, I don't think they have a Kittle or a Waller or anything like that, but you're looking at two average league starters and putting them in a group together with a young developmental guy. Um, another group that should be average to plus average, which it's crazy to say this a lot, you know, for the Jets, but they have they they have talent there too. It's really nice to see we're getting to a point, and, and tight end's really the first position that I've kind of noticed it with, and maybe cornerback as well, where you're drafting guys now, and you give them the opportunity to learn and develop, and you're not throwing them into starting lineup like right off the bat. Like How many times for the last 10 years have we drafted a player and we're like, oh, that's our plug-in you know, starter at this position? And it's, it, Even like the fifth ideally, round. <laughs> yeah, you don't ideally want to have that. Like You want to have these guys develop, sit, learn the whole process, and come in when they're comfortable. And I think that's where you kind of saw the tight end position really start to head. Now, moving back to the running back position, we, we spoke briefly about that with Brees Hall and Michael Carter. Tell me again how you're feeling about this unit overall. Yeah, just to hit on the point of like the, the starters, like Max Mitchell a couple of years ago, fourth round, be like, oh, starter. And like now he's like, okay, backup, great. Um, yeah, for, for the running backs, again, like it's it's not the most important position in the NFL. It's, it's definitely the least to me, but behind a good offensive line, a running back makes a lot more impact. And the Jets have, which would be, again, at the minimum, a plus offensive line. Um, and assuming Hall at least meets expectations, um, you're looking at a top half of the league number number one running back. And, that, and that's being really conservative with him. And then looking at Carter, who if, if you're not saying he's, he's worthy of being a number one back, I think you're a little bit crazy in terms of how he produced last year, especially behind a bad offensive line. So we're looking at a group that in terms of a one-two punch in the NFL, has, has to, it has to be top ten. I would think even if you if you even if you like if you really go through the teams and really kind of uh, write down their guys, which I don't have everybody everybody's number two, um, you know, mastered in my head in the league. So again, another really really good uh, good group um, in terms of you know Carter, who was number one last year, and then having Brees, who I think can easily uh, be a top ten guy again if he hits that ceiling. So you're giving Wilson no excuses in the past that uh, Coleman. Not comfortable with him as a two. Him as a three, great. Now, number four, did they carry four? I'm not sure. Is it is it Zonovan Knight over Ty Johnson? I hope so, because I don't like Ty Johnson at all. P. Ryan's gone. So, um, again, another above-average group for the Jets, which we're talking – we just went offensive line, tight end, running back. I'm not, I, I didn't say this in 18, 19, 20, 21. Like, this, this, this offense is go, should be – uh, average to above average offense, which we haven't said in, in a decade plus. Yeah. And then we go out to the wide receivers and this is an area where you look at Mark Sanchez, you look at Sam Darnold, you look at Geno Smith and they've had their weapons pulled from them or just not drafted at all. And then Zach Wilson comes in and he's just got this plethora of guys. I mean, you think coming into uh last off season, Denzel Mims was like our projected number one wide receiver and they go out and they take, uh, they bring in Corey Davis. You bring in Keelan Cole who we you know, obviously didn't bring back for this year, but you bring in Corey Davis, you, you draft Elijah Moore higher than Denzel Mims, and then you go out this year and use the number 10 overall pick on Garrett Wilson. So this wide receiver room also feels like we've been saying with the offensive line, with the tight ends, with the running backs, feels really deep for the first time in a really long time. So how are you feeling about our wide receivers? 
Yeah, last year, I'm not going to lie, I was pretty comfortable with the receivers too. Um, you know, Crowder in terms of, I, I, I still think he's a top half of the league slot receiver. Um, bringing Keelan Cole, who last year was going to walk in as like the four, like the, the, the four or five, was comfortable. I would still love to see them add another vet. I'm not necessarily the most thrilled with Barrios as the number four. A, a guy come, a guy gets injured, he's he's automatically thrust into the starting role. I think he, he's more of a fifth guy. He's a really good special teamer. Obviously, people are going to hate that because everybody loves Barrios. Um, is what it is. But uh, yeah, you're looking at a group with a ton of potential. Um, you know, obviously, we have to see how Elijah Moore develops. But when he was healthy towards the end of last year, he looked like a legit number one type guy. I think he could be that for the Jets. Corey Davis is your number two. I know we had a lot of drops last year. I still think Corey Davis is at least an average to above average number two in the league. And you're looking at a Garrett Wilson player who compare him to who you want. You know, there's a Justin, a Justin Jefferson comparisons, the Diggs comparisons, the, the Odell Beckham comparisons. I, I hate comparisons, but overall, if he can hit his ceiling with how explosive he is and how, uh, how uh, good his acceleration is, how good his body control is in the air, how good his yak is, looking at a receiver who could literally be a number one or two. So this group has explosive uh, potential and, and potential to be a very good group. Now, do they hit it? We'll, we'll see. Um, I, but in terms of having that talent, having that ceiling is exciting, having Barrios, you know, a fan favorite guy um, as a four or five is, is solid. Again, I would still like, even like bringing back like a Keelan Cole, I think would be a good move because even if you are comfortable with Barrios as a four, are we cool with Jeff Smith as the five? You know, we're, we're going to assume some injuries are going to happen. Um, and any system in the NFL, uh, you're going to run 11 personnel heavy. So your fourth guy, if you have an injury being Jeff Smith, I'm not necessarily comfortable with. So maybe, <clears throat> maybe Cole comes back. Maybe they bring in another guy. Um, but overall, the, the, the group has exciting uh, potential for sure. Now, going to the all-important quarterback position, we got Zach Wilson coming back for a year or two. We've seen some pictures of him. He's looked like he's hit the weight room quite a bit. Mm -hmm. He's starting to fill out that six-foot-three frame. Talk to me. What are your expectations for Zach Wilson, and what do you think uh, is going to happen this year? Yeah, uh, and we're talking like a little bit before we started recording. Like, I, I think, I think that if if he were just to play consistently like he did against and the Bucks, might be a, a big ass, but like just in the end of the season, in terms of like the Bucks game, the Jaguars game, like he was making much more sound decisions. I want to see him be an average to plus starter this year. Um, I don't think he has to be a Burrow or a Herbert or a Mahomes. I think if he's in that like Derek Carr range, like top. 10 to 12 to 13, I would, people are going to hate this, but like, even like a Kirk Cousins level effectiveness, it's a completely different mm -hmm. players, but Kirk Cousins still right at about average 14, 15 best quarterback. I think him being that, and again, I, I'm not quantifying it by just, by just stats and touchdowns to picks, anything like that. I'm talking about like just like film watching. Okay. He's about at this level. Um, being an average to above average quarterback in your second year is already a plus. And now you're adding that to, again, all the like, all the plus position groups, at least the average that the Jets have on the offense, which I don't think they have any below average groups right now. Um, you had average quarterback play to that with an offensive coordinator who really came into his own um, towards the midpoint of, of last season. Um, I think that this this offense could be pretty good. So I, I don't want to make it unrealistic where I'm saying Mahomes or anything like that or Herbert. Um, but I think in that in that 10 to 15 range is is what I'd expect and what I'd hope for. If I want to go crazy, I want to see him be a top five quarterback because I think he has top six to seven arm talent in the NFL. Um, and now we're talking about being in second and three, second and fours um, with that play actions. You could do a lot. You, there's a lot of explosive potential to this offense, especially talk about all the speed they have from Barrios to more, um, even to guys like Uzama up, this, up the seam or Conklin. So uh, I'm expecting him to be average or a little bit above, which is a massive leap for him in, in, in year two. And it's, I think, with the way they surround him is something that the Jets fans should expect and expect nothing less than that. Yeah. And you, you hit on something really key too. When you, when you're saying like the amount of good quarterbacks in the league right now, and especially the AFC, I'm looking at, you know, Burrow and Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and Watson and, and Herbert and Allen and like literally just across the board, there's just Russell Wilson comes into the AFC now, like just a stacked conference. When I look at the quarterbacks, specifically in our own division, aside from Josh Allen, you look at Tua, you look at Mac Jones, you look at Zach Wilson. Of those three, Zach Wilson is easily the quarterback I would prefer to have with the upside that you're going to have to mm -hmm. compete with in the AFC. Like the, the ceilings for me for Mac Jones and Tua just are not there. They may wind up being halfway yeah. decent quarterbacks, but Zach is someone that I think you can kind of hang your hat on where, you know, if he busts, he busts, but if he hits his potential, you're talking top five quarterback in the league potentially. 
Yeah, like I, it was a conversation after the Tennessee game um, in terms of like some of the quarterbacks who could make the throws. He 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 was, and you're looking at like the Herberts and the Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, even Russell Wilson. Like Russell, I don't think Russell Wilson has as strong as an arm as, as uh, that Zach Wilson does. Um, as as uh, quick with the trigger and things like that, but nonetheless, I'm not saying he's better than, than Russell Wilson, but he has he has that top five to seven potential. Um, and the thing about him is, listen, he came back from injury, he had a down game. Uh, but then he, but he really bounced back into form. That's kind of like the story of his career, like BYU, like potentially like fighting for the starter spot, all that stuff. So you're 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 giving him another year in the system with better guys around him, with and and some familiar faces coming back. Um, and you look at that Bucks game, the game they're talking about, like his number. You know, no disrespect to Barrios, but like he was throwing to Barrios and Jeff Smith and Tyreek Black with a banged up offensive line. Michael Carter, who was banged up, now you add Brees Hall to that. Two tight ends, you know, Garrett Wilson, like. If he's just what he was at the end of the year last year, I think he's at that average level um, or a little bit above because I think that's where he was to end the year. And if he builds upon that, we're looking at an offense that could be very, very good, which, again, we haven't said since 2010. I know I know, 2015 was exciting for the Jets, but after the 2015 season, like, okay, Fitzpatrick, older, you know, Marshall, older. So this is the most exciting Jets offense we've had in a decade plus. So, um, and I, and I think Zach Wilson is a big part of that. Obviously the, the season really hinges on him. Um, but I, I legitimately do have faith and it, and it like, to start the year, he was really bad to end the year. I know people talk about Donald's end of his rookie year. A lot of his stuff to me was on broken plays where Zach Wilson's, the difference between that is that the, the broken plays are not necessarily replicatable. Uh, Zach Wilson from a processing standpoint was actually a good quarterback from, from a play in play uh, or a play by play basis, which is much bigger than having the four or five highlight plays. So I'm, I'm very faithful um, that he will be um, an improved quarterback next year and, and, and continue the trend that he, that he kind of set himself on uh, at the end of the year. Now, aside from the players on the field, we also have our coaches going into year two, LaFleur, Sala, Ulbrich. Uh, based on what you saw from them last year, what are you kind of expecting this year? And what do you think the threshold for maybe wins or, or, or what you could possibly see happen with this team? What are your expectations? Yeah, Sala is obviously like you want you want to see him uh, stepping in some major decisions. Like, do, you know, there was were there some problems last year um, in terms of how 12 heavy personnel they went in the beginning of the year with no tight ends. That frustrated me. The, the rotation of receivers when you'd see like Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, and Crowder come off the field for like, again, Jeff Smith and all these other guys, they need to fix the rotation thing where they just, they just sub out a player or two. Same thing with the defensive line rotation. Was I a little bit uh, unhappy with the how they use Fadokasi in terms of you're looking at a guy who's a really good two-gapper and you're going to try to use him in a penetrating role? Can they adjust their scheme to be a, like more of a, more of a hybrid uh, scheme or front like the uh, Pat's did, and I'm not saying, or the Pat said with Bill Belichick, I'm not asking him to do that all the time, but on certain downs and distances, I would like to see them do that. So does he open up his, his mind a little bit to, to running some different things that, that then what made him like, uh, the coach he is, he is today. Um, does he have that flexibility? Can he, can he learn? And was part of that last year, him just trying to teach the young guys and implement the system. Now he'll start adding some more wrinkles in as we get more experience. That's a question I have. Um, but overall really happy with Salah. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, no matter the injuries and the talent deficiency we had on defense, we were historically bad defense for the Jets. So that needs to um, improve. But again, I do have some I do have some faith because of, of where Salah has come from, uh, what he preaches, the talent that we've added in terms of the front and the corners. They, they, they were really deficient last year. So um, I'm expecting a, a mediocre defense, which is which is fine. Compared to last year, mediocre is great. You know, uh, I, I think a, a big part of that being mediocre, not good, is the linebackers and, and the safety, some of the deficiencies you have there. But I'm expecting, again, about average, maybe a little bit below average offense. I'm expecting top half of the league. Um, and anything less than that would be a disappointment. And in terms of the wins, uh, again, talking before the show, I, anything less than seven to me is a little bit of a disappointment. Um, I, I get like, okay, we went from two to four, but then two to four to six, then is it eight, then is it 10? Like we have the next two to three years with Zach Wilson on that rookie contract where we want to to make that Super Bowl run. It's when most teams do it. So they need to take a, a, a leap this year. Now I'm not going to say 10, 11 wins because of how freaking stacked the AFC is, of course, um, in the year the Jets are actually getting good. But I'm expecting a floor of seven wins. I, I think the ceiling to me is probably nine, just because of how good this this conference is. But I would say like eight and nine is like my my like locked in prediction right now. Obviously, a lot can change in the next couple of months with camp and all that stuff. But if you're if you're 
looking at another Jets team that's getting blown out in September, not in it by October. We're doing mock drafts in October and looking at that stuff. I, I can't deal with it again. They need to be in the hunt uh, in December in those last couple of weeks. And again, I, I, I talk about the Dolphins and the, and the Patriots. Like To me, on paper, the Jets have a better roster than the Pats. I, I think the Dolphins have the Jets in a couple of positions, but I think it's, they're relatively comparable. Um, the Dolphins maybe edge them out a little bit, but you're looking at a team that should be competing for third, if not second best in the division this year, again, being be the hunt. Anything less than that will be a disappointment because you, you can't just keep incrementally building, you know, again, two, four, six, eight. Um, their teams can make very large leaps in one year, and I think the Jets should be able to, this is your year to do that. Yeah, I've always said that this year, I just want to see in the hunt. I want to see the little logo of the Jets, mm-hmm. like, you know, there's an outside shot. If these teams lose and things go break the right way, the Jets could sneak into the playoffs. That's what I want to yeah. see in December. Because like you, dude, when we start doing mock drafts in October, I, oh, <laughs> it gets brutal, especially yeah. for content creators. We're trying to make videos mm-hmm. and there's like a handful of people watching them because they're like, ah, I'm done with this. I'm not wasting my Sundays. That's what I want. I want to, I want to be excited about Jet football late into the season for the first time in seven years, basically since 2015, probably. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And like that's the thing, like, especially for like the content creators, like I, you know, you started and I really, really started. It was like beginning of Gase, end of Bulls. And it's been absolutely terrible. And like the, the most views and the most like interaction we get is beginning of the season, draft time, free agency. And I, I I want those views to go up in like December and January and talking about that stuff instead of, oh, well, who could the Jets get? How could they get better? Like I want to talk about them being better and being excited because like even after like week one of last year, people are excited, but then like you get blown out versus the Pats. You get blown out versus the Broncos. You get blown out versus the Colts, and the and the views and the engagement just drops, and it's so hard to pour hours into it and not and not get the the, the credit or the the views that you feel you deserve, which I think we all deserve a lot. I think Jets content creators are probably the best in the NFL from what I've seen in terms of uh, how many good guys we have out there. So uh, I think we deserve it as fans. I think we deserve it as content creators. Uh, we put a lot of work into this to have a team who, again, is not completely out of it in October, uh, just like they were last year. So uh, that's, that's the hope that they are in that, in that graphic, you know, okay, well, if this team loses and this team loses and this team, their, their win percentage goes down, we jump a spot. Like that's, that's all I want in December. That's, that's, that's all, that's all it takes to make me happy. So Joe, thank you so much for coming on. Let the guys know where they can find you and what you got going on. Uh, yeah. So Joe RB 31 on Twitter, uh, jet tech factor on, 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 uh, on YouTube. We have other guys who post videos. Mine's, mine's obviously specifically blue. It splits. Um, the last name's in, it's pretty easy to find. Uh, and the, the film reviews are going to start pouring out. Uh, I just got to enjoy a week in Aruba, but now it's going to be grinding because I'm having reviews of all the jets free agents all the way from Tomlinson, Reed, Uzama, all the way to, to Martin and, uh, Herbig or whatever, whatever his name is. And then you got, all of the draft picks are going to have an hour to two hour reviews on. I just told you, I just downloaded 11 more games of sauce card. That's going to be a lot of players. I'm going to break down uh, all the way from him to breaking down Zonovan Knight. And if he can make it in the, in the fourth uh, or as a fourth running back for, for this New York Jets team. So a lot of film breakdown coming. Um, I know it can get a little bit, people don't love it, but if you want some honest opinions on players and somebody will tell you they'll suck or not suck, uh, then, then my show is hopefully where you, where you you'll get that. So guys, Joe's, Links are going to be linked in the description down below. Make sure you hit a subscribe on him and follow him on Twitter. Really good follow. Joe, thank you so much for hopping in with me. Guys, it's been a lot of fun. I want to hear all your thoughts about the Jets draft picks, what you thought about Joe's breakdown of all the positions and players. Let me know in the comment section down below. And as always, go Jets. Jets!